Welcome to Phone Messages, episode 179. That really doesn't sound like you. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play message number 12 from Benjamin Evans. The message is 18 seconds long and comes from the spring of 1990. Here we go. Hello, this is Benjamin Evans calling for Mason. That really doesn't sound like you on the answer machine. I can't tell you how much that doesn't sound like you on the answering machine. It really doesn't sound like you on the answering machine. If I were to hear that message in this voice saying this is Paul, I would not believe it was Paul. But the reason I'm calling... Oh, it's cut off. You never find out the reason I'm calling. Let's talk more about your college experience. So... Do you remember when you first went to the University of Chicago, did you have an idea of what you wanted to major in? No. Do you remember how you decided to choose your major? I was always like, you know, my eyes were bigger than my stomach, so to speak, in terms of courses. I would just look at the course catalog and think like, oh, this looks like a really interesting course. I want to take this course and this course and this course and this course. They would let undergraduates into these like graduate level seminars and stuff. Uh, and I would end up in these really fun classes. But um, I had a, a few really great teachers in anthropology. Um, oh, what was his name? Ray, you know, that anthropology guy. He did a lot of work with Native American groups. Not Raymond Fogelson. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. He had us do like a project on like storytelling and and I did mine on uh, Henry Rollins, the his storytelling within the kind of punk rock subculture. I really enjoyed that book by uh, Dick Hebdige, The Elements of Subculture, Elements of Style. Remember that book? It was like a little yellow cover. Um, for that project, I mean, it was kind of like storytelling as a way of, you know, creating like the mythology for a particular culture or subculture. And I, I thought like, oh yeah, Henry Rollins is telling these stories to these people who identify as punk rockers, you know, telling them stories about themselves to kind of support this identity. Um, so it's hard for people today to think about a time that if you went outside with a Mohawk in suburban USA, people were going to uh, give you a hard time, if not uh, beat you up. Now, you know, they're like three-year-old kids running around with Mohawks. It's like no big deal. Um, when I turned my paper and I also included a cassette of Henry Rollins doing his, his storytelling. And, uh, the professor just loved that. He was like, Oh, and you have a cassette too? Fantastic. Do you have any stories about professors outside of the classroom? I remember I met, um, Richard Taub, who's a sociologist. And I remember him telling a story about when he first came to Hyde Park and one of the longtime Hyde Park guys was telling him this story about that period of time when they were reconstructing the Hyde Park neighborhood, doing a lot of urban renewal and tearing down affordable housing. Richard Talbot's relating this story. He's talking to this guy, and the guy's saying, like, uh, oh, yeah, I remember the 60s. We we're all united, black and white, together, pushing out the poor. How did this conversation happen? I think my dad had told him that I was coming to University of Chicago, and he was teaching there, so he invited me over for dinner. Now, um, 
because your father is a professor, how did that influence your experience of other professors? Do you think it made you less intimidated or? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, when, when I was a little guy, you know, I would visit my father often on, on the weekends and he lived in a, a communal household where a lot of the other people were, were academics. And w- when I was little, I assumed that first, I assumed that all adults wore glasses. And I also thought that everybody had to write a dissertation. For college oh, or? No, not for college, just for life. Ben's enthusiasm for many courses described in the U Chicago catalog reflected my own experience and reveals in part why the college had such a nerdy reputation at the time. I also shared Ben's excitement upon the discovery of the book by Dick Hebditch. Not only was it one of the first things I read that took pop culture seriously, but it seemed to be speaking directly to my teenage experience, feeling outcast and finding cheer in the sounds of punk, ska, and reggae. Even the book's design suggested a rebel attitude, with a pink and black drawing of an androgynous David Bowie-like face on a bright yellow background. It was also small enough to fit in your jacket pocket. Subculture, The Meaning of Style, published in 1979, was the first scholarly examination of punk. Before that, there were only photojournalistic-type exposés, like Punk Rock, 100 Nights at the Roxy, by Michael Dempsey, or another titled simply Punk Rock by Virginia Boston, both published in 1978. The book's enthusiastic and colorful analysis of youth culture brought attention beyond academia, including reviews in Time Out and Rolling Stone magazines. The latter article was written by legendary critic Grail Marcus and begins, Now that the clash seem assured of American success, perhaps a secret can be told. One of the reasons rock critics have championed punk with such fervor is that there has never been anything so interesting for us to write about. Marcus goes on to describe the book as complex and remarkably lucid, and the first dealing with punk to offer intellectual content. In a 2015 interview, Hebditch describes how the book evolved out of his research conducted while a student at Birmingham's Center for Contemporary Cultural Studies. His master's thesis, completed in 1974, had looked at mods and Rastafarians, so the editor of the New Accents series for Methune Press asked him to write about youth subcultures. At the time Hebditch began writing the book, he was also working the sound system at a Birmingham club, and as he puts it, These northern soul kids start showing up on Thursday night wearing razor blade earrings. There was this eruption of punk, and I was in the middle of it. In sum, Hebditch was in an ideal position to write the first punk ethnography. 
Moving to Ben's dinner with Richard Taub, the statement Ben cites actually comes from Taub's 1984 book, Paths of Neighborhood Change, where he discusses the role community organizations had in removing low-income housing from Hyde Park. In this context, Taub writes that a well-known comedian characterized Hyde Park Kenwood as black and white together, shoulder to shoulder, against the poor. Sadly, Richard Taub passed in 2020, so I cannot ask him which comedian he was citing. When I put the question to the Hyde Park Facebook group, it brought a lively discussion with some attributing it to Elaine May and Mike Nichols, and others to Dick Gregory. If you think you know the answer, please contact me at pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. Many thanks to Ben for his subcultural discussion. And thank you for listening. Talk to you next week.